And welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason, a podcast where Dan Dozell and myself, Son Edom, talk about the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective. And you know, Dan, it seems like every time we get together, there's always something a little bit nuttier and a little bit crazier going on. And I think it really comes down to the fact that, you know, we're at a point, as you write in an article that I came across, we're at the point of the intersection of politics, the intersection of demons, intersection of hate. And I think a lot of people, including Christians, are at the intersection of a faith in crisis because they're really not following, even though they think they are, they're truly not following a faith that is based on biblical principles. They might be following a faith that's based on, you know, someone else's teachings like a Beth Moore and those and those teachings are, are false or off base or maybe a Joel Osteen. And so they think that they're a Christian but they're not really a biblically-based Christian because their their thoughts and their uh, beliefs and their ideology is not based on biblical standard. Other people, you know, follow other things, like maybe we've talked about it before, like these um, um, prosperity gospel preachers. Um, you know, I've seen that come up recently a lot more where these prosperity gospel preachers are out there asking for more money because, you know, times are tight and, and coming out of the pandemic, apparently, I guess, tithing for their new planes hasn't really been there as they wanted. Um, so it's really at this crisis. And then when it really comes, push comes to shove, it reminds me of a lot of Christians and a lot of Christian friends that during the last election, was so against Trump because of so-called, because I guess his moral compass was off and apparently he was, you know, misogynist, sexist, whatever. And so they thought Biden was more moral, even though you can look at him and say there's a lot of the same sins that he committed that Trump did. Um, But then the party platform, you know, of abortion and pro-abortion and things like that. And it's just really Mm -hmm. is something in society where America has gotten to the point where we really are at this intersection. You've got the intersection Mm -hmm. of politics, demons, hate, and I think flawed theology that's really leading people uh, as we move forward in life. Yeah, there are, there are so many of those things that are indeed intersecting with one another son. And of course we know that the devil looks for any opportunity to, um, inflame uh, wickedness and uh, sinful, um, you know, sinful goals. I mean, you mentioned abortion. Uh, you know, if we just take the personalities out of it for a minute, because I mean, one year it'll be Trump, another year it'll be another one, uh, you know, who's a Republican. One year it'll be Biden, another year it'll be Obama or somebody else. But if you just take the policy uh, of just that one issue, it's a huge issue, but, but abortion, um, you don't even have to really even um, talk about, um, you know, the individuals and any of their strengths or weaknesses. But, but what about the unborn? What about the innocent uh, unborn children? I mean, don't they deserve to, uh, to have life? Uh, they don't know anything about these politicians. They don't know anything about, you know, life at all. I mean, they're, they're still in the womb. And yet, you know, there are, there are laws in place that allow um, abortionists to go in and, and take that life, uh, e- even in a painful way, um, uh, to, to, to take the life away from the, the, the child. And it, it's, um, you know, it, it certainly is, is something that, um, you know, I, I think of, uh, you know, like, for example, groups that worship Satan, and you'll hear stories of, of, uh, of human sacrifice. And, and many people, you know, would hear something like that and think, oh, that's just, you know, that is so out of the mainstream. Uh, well, yes, yes, it is. But, but are we saying that abortion is in the mainstream? And, and it has been now for decades? What does that say about um, you know, what does that say about our, our nation that, that, um, that this is being allowed to continue? So I think, you know, any politician who is pro-abortion, um, by very definition, really, as far as I'm concerned, they disqualify themselves from any position of leadership. Now, we know that that's not the way all Americans look at this. But but I'm just saying from a biblical perspective, you know, from a Christian perspective, um, the minute you support abortion, you should be um, disqualified from any kind of leadership role. I mean, we, we wouldn't let someone, you know, 
teach in a school if they were known to harm or even kill children. We wouldn't let someone work in a hospital, let's say a children's hospital, if they were known to harm or or even kill um, young children or babies. Um, but but there's something twisted that, that Satan has worked in the minds of people um, that somehow if that baby has not yet been born, um, that, 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 you know, there, there's this blindness uh, scales over the eyes of people that for whatever reason do not see this wickedness for what it is. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot going on right now. And with the Supreme Court now looking at uh, the issue of abortion, um, you have a lot of, um, you know, light and darkness that are coming together. And and we just pray that, um, you know, that Roe v. Wade is overturned because um, this is not this is not God's will. This is not um, what what any nation should be doing uh, to the most innocent among them. And um, like I say, any politician that is, you know, they, they're worried about whether, you know, Biden would be taking communion in a Catholic church. I mean, you know, communion, um, you know, it, it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> that, that, that shouldn't even be something you should be considering. You, you should be sitting down with him. It, you know, the, the leaders of any Christian group should be sitting down with him and calling him to repent. Um, not not saying, well, you know, we might take away a few a few benefits. But wait a minute, you you wouldn't do that with your child if your child was out killing people, you know. Uh, so anyway, um, I, I just think that 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 issue, at least for for us as Christians, you know, son, for you and I and just millions of Christians, um, that just really draws the line, w- which calls a person. You can step on the side of light or the side of darkness, life or death. And if you step on the side of death, then, you know, I think of uh, Acts 17, 30, God commands all people everywhere to repent. And um, if you're going to repent of your sins, you know, the first one uh, that might be a good one to start of is, is, is a, a pro-abortion uh, policy in your mind um, that you support that. Um, that, that would be a, a good place. And then we're all sinners. I'm not suggesting that, you know, people who are in favor of abortion are bigger sinners than you or I or anybody else. But I'm just saying that's a no-brainer, uh, or at least it should be. Uh, but for some reason, there are scales over people's eyes and um, even these, you know, these late term abortions. My goodness. I mean, did you talk about gruesome? I mean, abortion is is gruesome, uh, you know, overall. But but um, late term abortion. Oh, my goodness. Son. Uh, what what what's happening? What is happening in our nation? Yeah, Dan, there seems to be an all out assault on our children, our young people. So you have the abortion issue going on and then the other big thing is you know all these school boards out there that are anti-children as well i mean you can look up and down the headlines and you have you know this school board is having books that are pornographic or with suggestible content and content that parents don't want their kids learning but yet you know a headline will read school district reinstates pornographic books despite parents concern over pedophilia content and the school the school boards and the school districts they just they don't care what parents have to say and then you have you know Loudoun County Virginia and all the fighting going on there and then you have like the national school board organization wanting the FBI and the Department of Justice to come in and and treat these parents who have their concern about their kids treat them as you know domestic terrorists and then you have the LGBT community just attacking kids and trying to secretly recruit them into LGBT clubs on campuses or trying to indoctrinate them with LGBT uh, theology or even just ideology, I guess it is. And so it's just a real assault on the young people of today. And so how are kids? How are kids supposed to survive? How is the next generation supposed to rise up when you have this complete assault upon them by all these people that just really don't care about the kids? They want to They want to be, I mean, this new thing now called mass where it's you know minor attracted people so it's not even pedophilia mm. anymore it's minor attractive i mean what is going on with the sickness in this world yeah you know it, it just goes from bad to worse um you know we, we 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 saw you know how things evolved from the sexual revolution in the 60s um when man started to get away from from god's design for sex between one man and one woman in marriage and kind of the Hugh Hefner uh, culture, the Playboy culture, um, that that you know promised you know free sex. Well, p- 
people have learned it's not free. When you engage in sexual immorality, um, you get burned. I mean, there are uh, severe emotional, spiritual, and physical consequences to sexual sin. Uh, does that mean that um, God uh, won't forgive you? No. Uh, but there are consequences to stepping outside of God's boundary lines um, when it comes to his design uh, for sex. And yet that, that was not preached. Um, uh, what was preached in the culture and through the media uh, and, and through the entertainment industry is, is that, um, you know, if it feels good, do it. And yet, um, you know, that has not brought satisfaction to anyone um, that, you know, it's like the, uh, the headline I read recently where a, a tech billionaire um, where he apparently was keeping a spreadsheet of 5,000 women that he'd slept with. So he, he's got all the money in the world. He slept with all the women of the world, um, but he's obviously not satisfied because that's outside of God's design. Um, he would have had satisfaction if he would have followed God's plan for marriage between a man and a woman. Um, now, you know, after, after the free sex push, um, you know, the, the, the next domino then to fall was this push for same sex marriage. And, and, and it was argued uh, and still is uh, very much along emotional lines. It's like, well, don't, don't, you know, two men or two women have the same right uh, that, that anyone has to have love and, or to be married. And, and of course, um, you know, God's response to that is in the Bible. It, it's that here are the boundary lines, one man, one woman. Um, it doesn't make you a bigger sinner if you have same-sex attraction. It doesn't mean that you chose to have your same-sex attraction, because I, I doubt that anyone probably who has that um, ever had a point where they maybe thought, well, I think I'm going to choose to feel this way. Um, but, but, you know, son, we all as sinful human beings can have desires that are not coming from God. And just because we have a desire and, and just because it, it may feel like love, I mean, somebody might fall in love with a, with a, a married man or a married woman um, and emotionally they want to be with them. But God's boundary line is that adultery is a sin. Uh, and, and yet, um, you know, if a person's going to make purely an, emo an emotional decision on that, then um, they're going to ignore what, what, what Scripture says. And, and so the whole same-sex push has, um, you know, just completely overtaken, you know, the, the country by and large. And, um, you know, many of the younger people today who have just been, you know, uh, had that forced upon them, um, I, I think just kind of accept that. Um, and again, the Bible comes along and says, well, here are the boundary lines. Um, one man, one woman. And, um, you know, just because a person might say, well, I love this other individual. Well, if it's somebody of the same sex or if it's somebody who's married, or if it's just somebody you're not married to, I mean, whether we're talking fornication, you know, sex outside of marriage or before marriage, even uh, whether we're talking adultery, whether we're talking homosexual behavior, um, these are outside of God's boundary lines. And, and yet um, the times in which we live, and it's been going on now for, you know, 50 years, 60 years, um, the times in which we live, people assume that their, that their emotional and, and, and physical desires somehow make something uh, okay. The, 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 the problem is it's not okay with God. It does tremendous damage to individual bodies and souls. And, and as we see, it doesn't stop then with same sex because, because when there's blindness on, on just free sex, supposed free sex, you get blindness on same sex. And now the, the blindness uh, has, has gone into the area of gender, and it's just insane what, what people claim to believe about someone changing their gender because they feel like it. Um, so there is no anchor um, when, you, when you cut yourself loose from, from the Bible, from God's design, um, you are a drifted sea. And people are believing things today, son, that, you know, we, we would have thought nobody would ever believe that. No one would ever believe that. Well, um, you, you, you come into a land of great confusion, great deception, the intersection of 
of, of demons and in this case uh, sexual immorality and we're all sinners um, but that doesn't mean that we can just launch out and do whatever feels right because if we do we're going to make a mess of things we're going to keep ourselves distanced from God because that's what sexual sin does. It hardens the heart. It's kind of like pornography. Pornography hardens the heart. It, it produces anger and aggression. It scrambles the brain. Um, it abuses the mind. And that, you know, that, that's pornography. I mean, so, so when you go to the next step, even beyond that, uh, sinning with, you know, sexual lust, um, when you go to the next step of, of having your body engaged in that, it, it just rises, it just raises that much more, uh, to the level of, of very, very severe consequences. And, um, so, you know, when, when the decision was made years ago that, you know, we're going to take the Bible, uh, you know, out of, out of different aspects of society, out of, out of a school, out of this, out of that. Well, you, you take the Bible out and you know, you're left with humanism. You're left with, you know, the lowest common denominator of, of man's appetites. And that throughout the history of the world has never ended well for, for a civilization. Um, the only saving grace we have, the only hope we have is the grace of God, um, our Savior, Jesus, who died for us, the Word of God, apart from that Son, man is lost. And it's no wonder that the schools um, are not effective today in, in educating students in, in just the basics of, of reading and writing and math because they're so inundated with these, with these uh, ideologies that are being pushed by people who are in darkness, who want others to be in darkness with them, and, uh, boy, um, if there was ever a day in America when, when we needed the Lord, when we needed a revival, it's today. Yeah. You mentioned the, um, the boundary lines, you know, that God has put out there for our protection. You know, there's a lot of back and forth and conversation sometimes that I'll have with people, you know, all things are permissible, but not beneficial, you know, and there's that kind of gray area where you can kind of skirt the line because forgiveness is there. Um, but there's boundaries there for our protection. Even a lot of the, the laws that God put into place in a lot of the old Testament laws, even too, were there for the protection of his people. It wasn't necessarily there to be a mean and oppressive exactly. God. It was to protect them. Exactly. I mean, you have a little kid, you put boundaries around maybe light sockets or maybe around other hazards. Maybe put up a gate if you've got some stairs and it's not to be an oppressive parent to keep your kid from having the freedom to move around. It's to protect them from something, you know, really bad happening to them, tumbling down the stairs, getting electrocuted, drinking poison. You know, you put all that away. And so when we have these boundaries, we're protecting ourselves because like you write in another article too, it's like the demons out there, you know, we, we battle against flesh. We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But the demons out there, like you write, are plotting against us and they plot against us because they hate you. And yet people sit there and they do these things and they live these lives and they conduct themselves in a manner where they don't even realize that they're being played by the demons that are hating them, right. trying to like destroy their lives on purpose. And so, you know, we've talked exactly. about it before. People are out there saying, oh, I can't wait to get to hell. I'm going to party on time. The beer is going to be warm, but it's going to be cool. It's going to be fun. It's going to be all this. But yet they don't realize that that's exactly the ploy that the demons want because when you get there, you're going to realize you've just been destroyed by the very people. It's kind of like those, those you know, friends that you think are your friends, but they're really not. They're really your enemies. And so they sit there and they play life with you and they go to the parties and they hang out with you and they consider you your best friend, but they're really working behind the scenes to kind of destroy your life. They're talking bad about you. Maybe they're gossiping and creating rumors about you, but yet to your face, they're, they're um, your, your best friend. It's kind right, of like the, the right. demons are like that. You know, they're, they're like at your mm -hmm. face saying, I'm your best friend, but behind the scenes, they're plotting to destroy you. Yeah, that's exactly what, what Satan wants. You know, the Bible said, says that um, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And so, um, you know, demons realize, because they've seen this going on now, of course, on for centuries, uh, demons realize that, that sexual sin, sexual immorality is um, just about uh, the, the, the biggest trap, uh, I mean, outside of just, um, doctrines of demons and false, false doctrine, you know, uh, false ideas about God, which of course is, um, you know, just, 
beyond damaging, you know, to, to the soul. Uh, but, but sexual immorality is, is really on, on the top of their list of, of, of weapons and of, of strategies. And so, uh, you know, that, that is, that is their goal. You know, they, I mean, if, 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 if something, you know, if temptation, if it didn't look good, uh, if the bait didn't look good, then, you know, no one would take it. Uh, you know, Adam and Eve were, were, uh, were deceived. I mean, the, the, the Bible talks about, you know, that fruit being pleasing to the eye. Um, so their minds were deceived. Um, their, their sensual appetite there was, was stirred up, um, which, you know, they had no sin prior to that. So this was an introduction uh, uh, of sin into the world. Um, you know, uh, Satan there and the serpent in the garden, uh, tempting Adam and Eve, um, introducing uh, something that God said was off limits. And and then they began to just um, move in that direction, and that's how sin works. That's how demons work um, through temptation, through progression. Uh, you know, they, they 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 try and and get a person to go a little bit further, take one more step, and 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 really, what, once they get a person taking steps in the direction of darkness, there's not a whole lot they have to do because because the very nature of sin is is, is so is so powerful when you're when you're in that dark river that dark flow that um, you just, you get swept up in it. And, and so this is what demons attempt to do, whether it's working in a person's life through bitterness, through jealousy, through uh, prejudice, through sexual lust, through greed. I mean, you know, all these, these vices um, are in uh, Satan's arsenal, but they're also things son, that we, by nature, in our sinful nature, we, We've inherited from our parents. Uh, there's a part of us that is prone to these things. We 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 have a we have this weakness. You know, um, a lot of times, you know, people try to figure out. Well, you know, why why are there some people, a small percentage of the, of the population, but why are there some people who have same sex attraction? You know, what, what, what brought that about? What caused that? And, and um, you know, that's a difficult thing to really identify, uh, you know, but, but, but what's not difficult to identify son uh, are, are all the other things that, um, that we as human beings are, uh, we, we do have in common. I mean, our, our propensity toward all sorts of other sins. Um, yes, there are a few things out there that, 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 that some people seem to gravitate toward for one reason or another, um, that, that seem to be part of their sinful desires that maybe others don't have that particular sinful desire. But let's face it, we all have so many sinful desires that could become a problem if we didn't keep them in check. If we were for example, to feed our mind, uh, you know, uh, images or ideas that are false and feed on that. If we were to use our our speech in a way that is is um, you know ungodly or hateful or mean spirited, um, so um, you know, every one of us has a propensity towards sin. Um, you know, people say, well, he just has a bad temper. Well, you know, may, maybe somebody has a propensity toward, uh, you know, uh, a bigger, uh, you know, more anger. Maybe it's because they've given into that in the past. Maybe it's just, I don't know. It maybe just comes from their sinful nature, you know, m- more so than someone else who's maybe for whatever reason, not struggling with that one as much, but, but across the board, all have sinned. Um, we're all guilty, but um, nowhere in the Bible does it say that just because you you can't seem to um, avoid that temptation or that sin that somehow then you know God will be okay with it and and that's what we're that's what we're facing now today in society where uh, where, where man attempts to move the boundary lines um, you know everybody supposedly can have their own truth if it's true for you you know nobody else can challenge it well you know then that makes man god you know you no longer need god or you think you don't because now we're going to set the rules we're going to define right and wrong and it all has to do with our emotions with our feelings with our desires um and, and that's that's what satan wants he wants man to put himself on the throne so that so he won't even think about having jesus come on the throne because when you repent of your sin and become a christian one thing you're doing is you're saying, hey, I am yielding my body, soul, mind um, to the Lord, including the, the former way I used to look at things. Um, and now I'm going to look at things biblically. And even if it's hard, 
even if even if you know there are certain things that that um I would prefer we're different in the Bible. Um, we as Christians, we, we don't have the option to create our own Bible based on our own feelings. And, and so, um, yes, it's challenging to live the Christian life, but it's far more challenging to go to hell and never get out. It's far more challenging to suffer in that place of torment where, where Jesus said their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, where Jesus said there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, where, where Jesus spoke of, uh, of a man who, uh, who went to hell in Luke 16 and he was in agony in the fire. He was in torment and, and he's still there to this day. So yeah, nowhere does it say in the Bible that it's easy to say no to certain temptations or, or that it's going to be fair. What I mean by that is, um, you know, you may have to struggle with certain temptations that somebody else doesn't. Um, and it may not seem fair, but there was nothing fair about Jesus suffering and dying on the cross for the sins of every listener to this podcast, for you and I, for everyone. Um, there was nothing fair about that, but God did it, not because it was fair, but because we had to have a redeemer. We had to have a savior. And nobody's forced to become a Christian. Um, nobody's forced to go to heaven. Um, you know, and, and those who are duped by Satan and duped by those in the culture who say, those crazy Christians, don't listen to them. Don't listen to the word of God. Um, you live however you want to live. Well, those people aren't going to be around, son, when, when some of the individuals who, who took that bait, when they stand before Jesus on Judgment Day, and what, what are they going to say? Well, you know, my, my teacher told me it was okay. Or this, this popular entertainer in my culture told me it was okay. Or my parents told me it was okay. Or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's not, none of that's going to fly. You know, everybody comes down to a point where you stand before God, you're accountable to him. And, and so the only, only way to be rescued is to repent, believe the good news, and then say, Jesus, you live on the throne of my heart, um, and I'm not going to continue to just push forward with what feels right to me, either in the area of sexuality, in the area of how I live, you know, how I talk about others, um, how I view other people. Um, you know, Christianity is tough. Uh, I mean, it's easy to become a Christian, but it's not easy to live the Christian life. And, and we all make mistakes at it. Um, but, but, but the person who's not in there pressing forward, forgetting what is behind, you know, um, straining toward what is ahead, that's the person who's given up. And, and all I would say to that person is, is please look at the direction you're heading. Um, you think it's tough now? You think living the Christian life is tough? Um, okay, going to hell and never getting out is a thousand times tougher. Um, and you don't want that. Um, you don't know what you're, what you're in for. Um, Jesus said, that's, what's going to happen. And, and it's not, a you know, this isn't anything signed you or I or anybody. And the, the apostle Paul didn't make this up. I mean, this came from, from God, you know, the, the, the Bible came from God, uh, over a period of 1500 years and, um, you know, 66 books, uh, written by 40 authors, but it's inspired of God and it's true. And no, I mean, heaven and hell doesn't come natural to our thinking. You know, natural man assumes most people are going to heaven. Well, read the Bible. And, and Jesus talks about a wide road and a narrow road. So um, we've got to keep speaking up, even in the midst of a culture that is just gone off the rails. But um, we also need to have compassion and mercy um, upon those that we're trying to reach. Um, and that was part of that reason of that article, the intersection of uh, of politics, demons, and hate, that, that even those who may, may have very different views than we have in religion or in politics or in something else, um, you know, Jesus said it's our job to love them. And, and if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who, who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So that's another difficulty, challenge in living the Christian life. You know, none of us by nature love, uh, you know, our, our opponents. I mean, just look at the political world. Who loves their opponents? I mean, that's only a Christian thing. That could only happen by the grace of Christ in us. Um, by nature, we would want to destroy our opponent. Um, and, and while there's nothing wrong with completely disagreeing with somebody's political views and having your own views and taking a stand for that and, and working for that, uh, for, for, for righteousness, I mean, that's what we should be doing. Um, we are not allowed to cross the line of hate where we start to hate those who may hate God or who may hate justice or who may hate unborn babies or who may hate whatever, you know, that's not, we, we're not allowed to do that as Christians. Um, and that's just part of, um, 
why it's challenging to be a Christian and why so many say, I'll take my chances with heaven and hell. You can have your Christian stuff um, to which we would say, you have no idea what, what, what's coming down your, your path unless you repent. You know, the other interesting thing when it comes to Christians is that the whole idea of biblical absolutes is out the window. You know, we've talked about it before. The Bible specifically says, and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You ask people, is Jesus the only way to heaven? Oh, no, there's other ways to get to heaven. Really? Uh, people believe that hell doesn't exist because God wouldn't send, you know, a, a loving God wouldn't send people to hell. Um, right. You know, they, they disagree with the, the gender and sexuality that God designed. You know, it's like, oh, no, God must have messed up because this person was born a boy or a girl and now identifies as a boy or the opposite, you know. Mm-hmm, and so these, mm-hmm. these absolutes are there. And there's a lot of Christians that believe this. You know, they don't believe that um, you have to be saved to get to heaven. You can work your way to heaven. You know, conversations that we've had. Holy Spirit's just a symbol. It's not a part of the Trinity. It's just a symbol of God, you know? And so you have all these issues. And so when you're talking about trying to push back and you're talking about trying to get the message out there, there's a lot of Christians that are buying into this, um, Mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, what the Bible says. And that's why it goes back to, you know, biblical, taking a look at things to a biblical perspective. We can look at things from a Christian perspective and then it gets all fuzzy and hazy. But when you look at it through a biblical perspective, there's no fuzz right. or haze. It's quite clear. Now, yes. we might not fully understand it always, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's not fuzzy and it's not clear. It's pretty clear and pretty defined what it is yes. that we need to do yes. and what it is that God is asking of us. Oh, very, very much so, son. Very much so. And you know what? That That's one of the other reasons why God has established the church so that we can have Christian friendships and Christian friends who will help us to grow, uh, with whom we can be accountable um, in our Christian life and to the Word of God, and, and with whom we can um, bounce ideas off of them. Um, we can look back into the history of the church. We can we can read those who who've been used by God to reach souls for Christ, who preached the gospel that were saved by grace through faith in Christ. We can read what what they what they learned on a lot of these issues that that um, that people struggle with today. And you know, the, the crazy thing, Son, is that, you know, uh, some of these, these huge issues in our culture today, I mean, these are not even close when it comes to, you know, what would the Bible say about, you know, or does say about things like uh, abortion or homosexuality or, um, you know, adultery or about one's gender. I mean, these are not like, well, you know, you can make a case for either of those. And, and, and what's really um, just bizarre is how you've had people go so far out of their way in, in recent decades. They, they've tried to tried to use the Bible, for example, to uh, to support gay relationships. And, and and you know, here's what here's basically what what they're saying when they do that, son. You know. Um, Jesus, you know, people say, well, Jesus did not specifically address homosexuality. Um, well, I mean, he, he, he talked about, you know, marriage between a, a man and a woman. So he, he, uh, he referred to the way it was set up in Genesis. Um, Jesus um, never lowered the bar on 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 issues uh, like, for example, in the Old Testament, "Thou shalt not murder." So, what does Jesus do? Does he lower the bar? No, he raises the bar in the New Testament, and and he says, "If you say to someone, you fool, you'll be in danger of the fire of hell." So, so now it's not just killing somebody, but if you kill them with your words, um, that sin alone could send you to hell. If you don't have God's forgiveness, if you don't, you know, um, turn from sin and, and seek to, to speak correctly and rightly and, and lovingly. Um, so he, he, he raised, he, he raised the bar. Um, uh, now what about marriage? Um, you know, in the old Testament, thou shalt not commit adultery. So did Jesus lower the bar, raise the bar? Well, Jesus said, now, if you look at a woman, lustfully, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. So he raised the bar there. He didn't lower the bar. But we're supposed to believe 
that the Old Testament, you know, uh, condemnations against homosexual behavior. And those are also um, repeated in the New Testament. Uh, in, in Romans, for example, um, you know, it's very clear in the Bible that that, that, that same sex, uh, you know, sexual morality, that uh, uh, two men or two women, you know, having sex, that this is a sin, just like adultery, um, just like fornication. But we're supposed to believe that, that not only did Jesus not, um, raised the bar there, uh, but that he actually lowered the bar. No, um, not, not, not at all. Uh, so people who've gone out of their way to try to make that case, they're not being led by the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like those son who in a cult go out of their way to try to make a biblical case that Jesus is not God, for example, which, which, you know, you'll have cults that will teach, they'll deny the Trinity. They'll deny the divinity of Jesus. Um, I remember when I was in college, I, uh, I was invited to a, a Bible study one time at a home, and, and most of the Bible studies and church experiences I had in college were, you know, at, at, at um, you know, Bible-based uh, places and, and churches and so forth, conferences and things. But there was this one, I don't know how we got invited to this one home, but I'll never forget, on the, on the, um, on the little end table there, there was a, a book. And the title of the book was Jesus Christ is not God. And, and I knew, you know, I mean, I knew obviously, hey, this is not uh, a home I want to be in. I mean, I just, I, you know, I, I left. Uh, you know, it was obviously one of these cults that were trying to prey on college students because they know that that's an age when, um, you know, a, a lot of college students are starting to think about some things and are starting to make some uh, decisions about faith and spirituality and so forth. But, but what I'm saying is that um, just as you have people who try to reinvent the Bible to fit their own sexual um, ideas, uh, you have people who try to reinvent the Bible to fit their own ideas about the nature of God or the nature of salvation. And, um, and, and, and it doesn't work. Uh, it simply doesn't work. You know, there's a great, uh, some great videos online of a, of a young man uh, who came out of Mormonism. His mother, in fact, taught. At, at Brigham Young University. She was a tenured professor there. And, um, you know, uh, they, this, this young man, um, you know, he, he came out of it. I won't tell his whole story here. I mean, that might be an interesting podcast sometime, but um, if a person just were to Google, uh, you know, former Mormon whose whose mom, you know, uh, taught at BYU. Um, listen to her testimony. Listen to his testimony. The scales came off their eyes when they came to know the gospel. Prior to that, um, they were blind. They were blind, even though they had religious terms. Um, they were blind, and that's why Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses and and really any cult, um, you know, they're going to change those doctrines. Now, on the positive side, and I'll, I'll just leave it there, son. Um, you have millions of Muslims today who are claiming to have dreams where Jesus is coming to visit them, and and they're converting from uh, from Islam uh, to Christianity. Uh, th this is a miracle um, that, that that God is working, and and these these Muslims who you know, they, they've never known about Jesus, uh, and yet they're having these these miraculous dreams, and this is their testimony. So there's a spiritual battle going on for the souls of men and women and young people, and um, people need the Lord. They need the gospel, whether they're whether they're a Muslim, whether they're an atheist, whatever. Maybe they grew up. A lot of people here, son, have grown up in this country, and they've grown up in a very harsh, legalistic, hyper fundamentalist uh, uh, church where grace was not really practiced at all. And, and and yet maybe they they it was called a Christian church, but there was anything but Christianity really being practiced. So Satan's got all sorts of little strongholds, you know, in all sorts of different. groups groups. And, um, you can, you can sure see why, why really, uh, relatively smaller number of people ever come out of that because there are so many landmines out there, son. Um, only the gospel will set, will set you free. Yeah. And that's the thing that we have to remember, Dan, too, is that, you know, when we're dealing with life, when we're dealing with the things that are going on in this world, there's a lot of influence that we don't see. There's a lot of that spiritual world, that battle going on. You know, the demons are after us. We've got, you know, Satan trying to, to work to get us. You know, he's roaming about like a lion seeking whom he may devour. I mean, these are some pretty, you know, strong, poetic words that are being used. And a lot of people like to just kind of laugh it off and think of it to be no big deal. But on the flip side, it's like 
if people don't really realize what is going on, even if they refuse and want to reject it, you know, it's like, okay, fine. You want to reject it. That's okay. You know, I'm not here to push this on you, but it's, but it's like, but it's like, if you just let them know what's going on, if they really truly understand, because the flip side of that is that, that I've heard the, the argument, so to speak, is like, okay, Christians aren't mm-hmm. perfect. Uh, you guys do X, Y, and Z. Why should I be a part of that? You know, you guys are hypocrites. You guys are this, you guys are that. Well, yeah. that's all true because man is a sinful nature and nobody mm-hmm. is perfect. You know, again, right. you want to go back to that biblical principle, you know, the biblical theology of there is none righteous, there is not even one, for all have right. sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and on and on and on of the scriptures that yeah. tell us that no matter who who you are, you are yeah. a sinful person and you will engage in sinful conduct and you are right. destined to spend eternity in hell unless you have repented yeah. of your sin and unless you have Jesus that has taken that yeah. for you and borne that on the cross. And then, but people don't realize that because they, they want to sit and they want to look at and be yeah. and, and judge all this, but then they really miss right. the mark. They miss the mark that the Billy Grahams of this world, you know, the John MacArthur's mm-hmm. of this world, you know, they're sinners right. just like anybody else, but they've been saved right. by the, the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus. They're saved yeah. just like the rest of us. And so if we can just get that word out, then if people just realize that, I put it this way, I guess. It's like a coach, okay? When when I would deal with young people and uh, and youth sports and stuff, and then they go on to high school, maybe college, you know, coaches yell and scream. You know, coaches yell and scream, yell and scream. And I don't know why. You know, it's the last profession that really excuses bullying. But anyways, that's another story for another time. But the yelling and screaming. And I would tell them, I'd be like, don't listen or don't pay attention. Ignore the yelling and screaming, the tantrums and all that. And just listen to the words that they say. Because if you're listening to the words that they say, there lies right. or there within lies the wisdom that they're trying to get across from you or across to yeah. you. You know, The yelling and screaming is just a smokescreen that deters you from what they're really trying to say. They want you to get better. Yeah. They want you to improve. They want you to practice harder. They want you to play harder. They want you to be successful. But yet their mm-hmm. attitude and the way they maybe represent that might, you know, think differently. But but listen to the words, not the antics, listen to the words. Yeah. So as people yeah. are out there, you know, no matter what you do, no matter what you're talking to or who you're talking to or what you're talking about, you know, listen to the words and not the mm-hmm. smoke screen around it. So, yeah, there might be somebody who is a professed Christian and they might be preaching biblical foundational doctrine to you. But yet you're going to judge them because of their hypocrisy. Well, the Bible specifically says that they're a sinful person. Maybe you should just yeah. listen to the words. Or maybe there's somebody yeah. out there that, one, one more thing I'll let you answer, but maybe there's, oh, people, no, no, yeah. there's people out there that maybe you think are like this divine, holy person, mm-hmm. but yet you listen to their words and they're off a little bit. And it's like, you got to listen to what is being said, the message and not the messenger, yeah. unless of course it's Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Well, no, that, that is absolutely right, son. And, you know, when we talk about hypocrisy, I think of a quote from D.L. Moody who said, you know, um, you know, and they were, people would tell him, well, you know, the church is just full of hypocrites. And, and D.L. Moody would say, you know, the famous evangelist, he would say, well, for every hypocrite in the church, I can show you a hundred hypocrites in the world. You know what I mean? So hypocrisy is everywhere, but it is interesting that in the New Testament, um, the word hypo- hypocrite is, is never used for a believer. It's only used for somebody who's pretending to be uh, a believer, who's pretending, you know, like the Pharisees, uh, you know, were, 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 were pretending to know God, but their hearts were far from him. So, so let's take a Christian son who, who knows that he or she is sinful. Um, they're not, you know, they're not pretending that they're like this perfect person, but they're trying to, to do the right thing. They're trying to live for the Lord. Uh, they're born again, saved, redeemed, justified, and forgiven, which happens on the front end of a person's relationship with God. Um, you know, when, when, when that individual sins and maybe somebody sees their sin, ah, oh, you're a hypocrite. Well, they obviously don't know what that word means because they're talking about this Christian here who, who's not pretending to be something he or she isn't. The, the hypocrite is the one who's not born again, saved, justified, redeemed, and forgiven, who doesn't have the Lord living within them, who doesn't have, their body is not a temple of the Holy Spirit, but they walk around all pious and try to, you know, get people to know or to think that, that they know God and, 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 are, and are Christians, and yet their hearts have hate, their hearts have, uh, you know, just, they're just 
prejudice against other people. They don't, they don't love other people. Um, they, they don't, uh, seek to turn from sin, you know? So these are all things that God has to work in us. Um, because by nature, all of us would, would exhibit those things, prejudice, uh, hate, um, uh, deliberate sin. Uh, but when the Holy spirit comes and converts us through repentance and faith, uh, we become a new creation. So we don't become perfect. But but we, we you're not a hypocrite if you're saved and you and you mess up. Um, a, a hypocrite is someone who's pretending to be a Christian, but who who whose heart is not really in it. They're they're uh, you know they're holier than thou. They they think oh look at I'm so much better than others, and they're not trusting in the cross for salvation or the blood of Jesus. Because if they were son, then they would be they would be made a new creation, and they would not be living in hypocrisy. It doesn't mean they would be perfect. But um, now the, the closest maybe a Christian comes to that, you know, would be if a Christian uh, starts to flirt with being double minded uh, in some area. You know, I mean, we think about like David, you know, uh, who was a man after God's own heart. But boy, he sure became double minded when, um, you know, when he uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba, when he let that progression of sin happen from, you know, he to just shut things down when he saw this beautiful woman and he began to lust for her. You know, it would have been much easier to stop the progression of sin at that point than than it was to deal with all the consequences and all the all all the pain that he brought uh, as a result of not only his adultery then, but then having her husband put on the front line there in battle so that he would be killed. Um, I mean, David was was seriously, I mean, double minded. I mean, and there's a big debate among Christians. I mean, you know, did did David, you know, did he fall from faith completely or not? Well, the the, the good news is that when Nathan confronted him, um, and David became convicted of his sin, he repented. But if David had had stayed on that road, then, I mean, there's no doubt that if a person, um, stays on the road of deliberate sin, you, you can't have a relationship with God. You, you can't expect to go to heaven. If if you're going to make sin, your, your God, if you're going to put sin on the throne of your heart. And that's really what David was doing there for a while. So maybe it's being a bit generous to say he was double-minded. I mean, maybe there for a while he, he was, you know, he wasn't even that close to God, obviously. I mean, now when, when you're out doing what he was doing there deliberately um, and, and seemingly not even maybe bothered by it, um, although there are indications that, that he definitely was um, was bothered by it, um, and this would be a good indication that, that the Lord was still with him. Um, you know, uh, I think of like uh, Psalm 32 when David says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away because of my groaning. Um, this is what happens to a believer. If you start to become double-minded, you start to go against the word of God, go against your conscience, flirt with being a double-minded individual, um, you're miserable. And that's actually a good sign because the one who's not miserable while they're living in sin song, um, the one who's not miserable is typically going to typically going to be your unbeliever in whom the Holy Spirit does not dwell. Because if you can live in deliberate sin and it not bother you, that's a pretty strong indication that, um, you know, whatever you may be professing about your religion, you don't know God because that's not the fruit of faith that, 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 that develops and, and really is there instantly. I mean, the moment a person is converted, um, you want to do things God's way. And we have the benefit of the Holy Spirit living within us who is grieved and offended when we sin. And it's just like a parent's song, um, you know, a hasty sin will, will, will grieve a parent. A hasty sin by a Christian will grieve the Holy Spirit. But when you move into deliberate sin, um, now the child is going to be offending the parent at a much higher level. And the same is true with God. So um, deliberate sin against God is, is nothing, nothing to laugh at. And, and hasty sins, uh, of course, need to be avoided because all sin will um, interrupt our fellowship with God. It'll be a bad witness. It, it'll interrupt our joy and peace in the Lord. It'll, it'll take away our love for the things of God, for prayer and, and scripture and being with other Christians. I mean, that's the power of sin, son. That's the power that sin has. And it's not as great as God's power. Um, uh, but it, it is it is definitely um, very, very strong. Um, this latest article um, that, that I wrote, and I'm sure maybe we'll um, have a podcast on this here coming up, uh, but where uh, it was titled Progressive 
theology and pornography violate biblical boundaries. Um, I quote a, a guy in there who, who is basically saying that, um, you know, as far as people who have been able to um, come out of an addiction to porn, that, 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 that Jesus's grace, the power of Jesus is stronger than, uh, the power somebody experiences to want to watch sex. And, and, and so, um, um, Jesus is, Jesus sets the captives free, whether your sin is lying, gossip, sexual lust, uh, greed, um, uh, or whether your sin is, let's just say the root sin of unbelief. Um, Jesus sets unbelievers free by bringing them into the faith. Uh, the Holy Spirit works, um, this, this gift of salvation within someone, just like Jesus physically was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Um, in a similar way, I suppose you could say, um, God is conceived within the person who comes to believe in the Lord, not in our womb, obviously only that only happened one time with Mary, of course, but within our spirit, um, the Lord is conceived within us by the Holy spirit. That's called the new birth. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. Um, and, and this is, this is the miracle that those former Mormons experienced and that every Christian, these former uh, Muslims I talked to, uh, what they experienced on, what you and I have experienced as Christians, um, the Lord worked the new birth in us. And I would just say for every listener today, my friend, if you're not sure whether that miracle has been worked within you today, call upon the name of the Lord today, confess your sin to him. Um, accept him as your savior, receive him as your savior, and, and you'll be born again today, saved, redeemed, justified, born again, and forgiven. And then you'll be off and running. And um, this will all start to make a whole lot more sense to you. And until you are born again, um, you're gonna be like, what are those guys talking about? <laughs> I don't really get it, you know? Well, that's the other thing, too. If you don't believe, you're not going to understand. I mean, people, I like to use this analogy. I don't know if it's a correct analogy, but I like to use it. People believe in UFOs. They believe ETs out there, little green men from Mars, spaceships, mm -hmm. you know, type of mm -hmm. thing. I don't believe in that. I don't believe they exist. So when people talk mm -hmm. about things, I just, you know, dismiss it as untrue. I don't judge them for it, and sometimes it's fun to engage in conversation. I mean, I used to watch X-Files, which was a show about the uh, paranormal and, and the unexplained, yeah. you know, and, and so it's fascinating, yeah. but I don't believe Little Green Man. I don't believe people are abducted. I don't believe any of that, but people do, and yet when they talk about it and they talk about things of that, I don't understand what they're talking about because they're talking about, you know, the, the supernatural, I guess, or the paranormal. And yeah. I just don't believe in, in, in that. So I don't really understand what they get into. And there's other things yeah. too, you know, more, more common on earth stuff that I don't understand or get into, but yeah. Right. And so when people, when we're talking about, you know, Christianity, biblical based theology, when we're talking about God, the Holy spirit, there might be things yeah. that people don't understand. And maybe what they should do is take a moment to try to understand before they come up with, uh, yeah. you know, a, a yeah. conclusion, you know, maybe, maybe you don't really fully right. understand and maybe you should investigate right. and see for yourself instead of just dismissing right. or listening to these outside influences because this celebrity or that person or yeah. whoever says, you know, something about mm -hmm. it. Maybe you should kind of do mm -hmm. your own investigation and find out because in yeah. reality, I think, one, people already know, and two, mm -hmm. it's going to confirm what they know, and some people are afraid to find out because it's going to alter or should alter their lifestyle. You know, their, their, free, their fancy free life here on earth is going to change. It'll change for the better. You know, was it that footloose, fancy free type of activities that people like to go do? You know, it's going to change because you're going to want to do more. You're going to want to be better. You want to have more quality of life. You're going to want to be able to do more productive things. And your goal is going to be to live for the afterlife, for eternity in heaven, as opposed to these, you know, quick, fun things, the, the immediate gratification of living on earth in the now. Yeah, you, you know, son, I think that is all just very, very well said. And, and you know, sometime uh, maybe we'll end up doing like a, uh, a podcast um, looking at like, you know, people and, and, uh, and their experiences with, with UFOs or what they claim. Um, just like, you know, I don't know if we've done a podcast on um, all the near-death experiences that people have had or, or – or, um, I mean, because there's, there's a lot of stuff out there in both of those areas. And, and I'll just say this. I mean um, – I I have been someone. Uh, well, I've never really dug too deeply into it, um, but but I, I know there are Christians, and, and I would tend to lean this way probably 
um, who who really suspect that that some of these um, UFO and alien uh, type um, experiences that they may very well be um, examples of of, um, of of a demonic manifestation um, uh, of demons. Now, now, I mean, a person could, could, could say, well, why, why would they even care about that? I mean, demons want to lead people to hell. They want to, you know, turn people away from the Lord. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, to me, in, in my mind, son, um, to me, that's almost like maybe one step beyond, um, a nightmare. You know, I, I, I do believe nightmares come from demons, um, I, they're not normal dreams. I mean, everybody has dreams, but I do believe nightmares come from demons. Now, I'm not saying that they couldn't also come from within somebody's just very warped mind. I mean, if, if they're filling their mind with, with all sorts of, of evil thoughts and so forth. Um, but, but, but to me, UFOs and, um, and, and aliens, these sort of sightings and things, while they are very subjective, um, I guess here's what I would compare it to, son. There are a lot of people who who claim to have seen an apparition of Mary, the mother of our Lord. Now, now in that one, I can see why demons would um, want to uh, create that image because they, they they seek to get people to obsess over uh, and focus on really anything other than Christ Himself and the gospel. And, and so when I hear people, you know, just going crazy about, well, you know, they they, they saw Mary here or there, I'm thinking to myself. Well, first of all, there's nothing in the Bible that indicates that anyone who has died is is, is roaming around anywhere for you to interact with them. And 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 the other thing is, um, people will then they will they will assume that whatever doctrines are being taught by a particular group or a church or or a person, if there's an apparition of Mary, then they assume, well, that's just validation that that must have come from the Lord. That had to have been Mary. But that would be an interesting discussion sometime. You know, in the supernatural realm. Um, I mean, we do know in the Bible, son, that holy angels ha- have have appeared in the Bible. Um, you know, people, Christians have entertained angels without knowing it. Many people tell stories of of somebody who came from out of nowhere to rescue them in in a in a situation, and they just were, were nowhere to be found. So, I have no doubt that that angelic beings can manifest themselves. Um, and, and appear like uh, individuals, um, whether it be Mary, whether it be maybe somebody's grandmother that, that, that you know, you, you, you think you're seeing and, and you start talking to this apparition, but it's not your grandmother at all. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's why we're not supposed to communicate with the dead, because that's the realm where demons are really, really active. So anyway, I know we're, we're covering all sorts of stuff here. Probably We probably just saw an address about maybe a half dozen really excellent and podcast topics, but yeah, they're all very interesting, interesting topics, but it does kind of, in a way, come circle, it circles back to what you started with, the intersection of, of uh, politics, demons, and hate, because we've certainly talked about the work of the devil here in a lot of different, uh, a lot of these different areas today. Yeah, I've uh, enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate the time that you give to us to go over these things. And, uh, you know, the last thing I'll just say is that, you know, when we're dealing with things, especially if you're a Christian and life tends to get rough and sin seems to dominate your life it's probably because the demons are working harder against you Mm -hmm. because if they've already got somebody you know beat you're not going to spend as much time on them and so there might be their lives might be just going along you know rosy no issues no problems but they got mm-hmm. them beat because maybe they don't believe. That's right. Whereas the believer is going to be attacked more and um, because they believe and Satan's going to try to do everything he can to grab as many people with them and take them on to the next life and eternity of damnation with them yeah. uh, when that time comes. And Simon, I'll give you one quick example of how that plays out uh, biblically. You know, in Ephesians, it says, um, uh, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. You know, um, we've talked before about how when people dabble with the occult, whether it be a Ouija board, seances, any of these things, they open up the doors for demons to oppress them. Um, that's very, very true. But I would, I would guess, son, that for every one person maybe who opens up their life to demons through the occult, through a, a occultic activity, there are probably a hundred or a thousand, um, even Christians who, who at times open up doors by going to bed 
bed at night angry with someone and, and, and you give the devil a foothold. So, so Satan, Satan uses these, these things that are uh, going on every day in our life. Even if you never go to a seance or mess with a Ouija board, but you go to bed angry at night with your spouse or family member, friend or coworker, you are opening up a door in the spiritual realm to be oppressed by the enemy. And not only with nightmares, but, but with grudges, um, you're not going to sleep well at night. It's going to work in your subconscious all night. You're going to wake up in the morning. That's going to be the first person you think about because you held a grudge and Satan pounced on that. So there again, there's another whole podcast on what happens when we hold a grudge? What access does that give demons to our life, to our soul, to, to oppress us? Why is that so harmful? And boy, we live in a culture where there's so much anger. And that again, brings it full circle to the intersection of politics, demons, and hate. And that's where the hate, the bitterness, the resentment develops um, by holding grudges and, and so forth. So anyway, um, yeah, lots, lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff to talk about. Well, Dan, thanks again. We appreciate your time and always uh, look forward to the next conversation that we have. And again, just thank you so much. Oh, thank you, son. Uh, yeah, I really uh, appreciate this time as well. And I will look forward to our next visit. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. You can catch the show and other episodes as well on RadioWarp.com. That's RadioWARP.com. And you can just click on the, uh, the Sanctified Reason logo and other episodes will pop up as well. Again, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.